Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, happy Mother's Day weekend. We want to appreciate all of the women in the house. If you're age 18 or above, whether you have kids or not, we would love the opportunity to give you a gift following the gathering. The only thing that we ask is that you have to be present. So please don't come up and say, hey, my mom couldn't make it or, or someone else couldn't be here. Could we grab one of those gifts? We got to make sure that we have enough for everybody throughout the whole weekend. So if you are present and you are a woman over the age of 18, then we have a gift for you. We also would love it if you would take some time afterwards to take some photos. Doesn't that photo booth look amazing back there? Some of our ladies spent a lot of time today working on that. And so we would love for you to do that. And um, just another little um, gift that we have for you this weekend. And we do appreciate all of the moms in the house. You make us better. Um, even, when, even when you're, uh, no, I'm not going to say that. All right. Um, moving on. I'm not even preaching tonight and I almost got in trouble just standing up here. So we'll stop while we're ahead. Um, well, tonight we have a very special guest with us, all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. We had our breakout conference this uh, just yesterday. We had all kinds of ministry heads from different churches and different ministries in the community that came out and spent the day with us yesterday. And it was just a phenomenal time. We, we're excited to see what God is going to do in our community as we gather together as the church capital C. Amen? And, uh, and so that was just a really a big treat. But inside of that, um, Jason Johnson had been to a conference at one point where he got to meet uh, our guest speaker tonight. And um, he just came back and he said, man, this guy was amazing. I think he's got his heartbeat is right in alignment with what we're doing. And so as we began to look at this conference, Angie said, let's call him and let's see if he'll come and uh, share with us. And so he said, yes. So we said, well, let's have him come and, and share tonight as well. And so uh, Jeff Shaw, he actually was the director of the Dream Center in Atlanta. And, uh, and then from there, he went on and he, and he founded a new ministry that is uh, called Frontline Response International. And they're headquartered in Atlanta. And he is now the chief program officer of that. And um, it's just amazing. They, they work in removing people out of human trafficking. They also do some mentorship in the jail and, and discipleship. And just a lot of things that are really the heartbeat of God. And so um, we're super blessed to have him here. Would you give Jeff Shaw a round of applause as he comes to share? Well, good evening, River of Life. So I just have to say, Pastor Jason, your hospitality has been fantastic. First Lady Shannon, yours as well. Is that what you, know, what you guys call her? Pastor Jason, you said I have to call her that the whole time. Well, <laughs> and Pastor Angela Johnson has hosted me at her home along with First Gentleman Jason Johnson. First Gentleman, thank you. Uh, and I would really appreciate after I leave if you would all continue to call him First Gentleman Jason. That would be your gift to me. <laughs> thank you. I knew there's some takers. So Mother's Day, yes. Mother's Day, I am a man. I'm not a mother. And I remember growing up 
Mother's Day weekend, you always knew Mother's Day was going to be talked about, and what that meant for me is I could just check right on out. I had to be there because it was mom, got to be with her, but this is not going to be for me, right? So that's probably not true, and every message Pastor Jason has ever preached about Mother's Day has been amazing, and everybody pays attention, but I, I want to acknowledge, first of all, that while we celebrate mothers and motherhood, that I'm very aware from the work that we do that motherhood is also a source of a lot of pain for people. And there is the hope that has not been realized for some women who long to be mothers. There is the pain of mothers who have been lost or children who have been lost. There's the pain of miscarriage, which my wife and I have been through twice. And I see how that uniquely impacts her as a mom. There's the pain of abuse and neglect and abandonment. And there's also a lot of joy. And as believers, what we try to do is we try to live in that tension of the joy and the pain and everything that's in between, right? So I'm, I'm hoping and praying and really truly believing that this will not be a Jeff message. This will be a Holy Spirit message Amen. that can uniquely touch hearts across the spectrum. And, and children, please listen. Husbands, please listen. Single people, please listen. Because at the end of the day, this, I, was, I was really feeling this during worship. Everything that we preach and teach about at the end of the day is a testimony to the goodness of God. And that's a message for everybody. So, um, man, you guys are leaning in already. I'm liking this. All right. So if we could just throw up, it'll be hard for me to move past this next slide here. These are my beauties. So my wife, Haley, y'all, she sent me this today. So our daughter, Olivia, there had her dance recital. She's four years old. Our son, William, never wants to open his eyes for a picture, sitting on mom's <laughs> knee there. Uh, and Liberty, who is a week old. Um, so thank you for the Oz, which I know will be immediately followed by, what the heck are you doing here leaving your wife with her one-week-old child, which is why I will not be invited to speak on Father's Day this year. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but let me assure you, so that you don't judge me and tune me out for the rest of the message, me leaving was the catalyst for my wife's sister, mom, grandmother to come to town from all over the country and spend the week with her. So she's, she's having a better time than if I was there with her. So... Yes. So, okay. I got four things that I want to touch on that I believe are from the heart of God for all of us, myself included tonight. And I know it's for me too, because when I was sitting with uh, Jason and Pastor Angela up in the office and I was reviewing my notes and I was getting teary, just seeing again what the Lord says about us and who he is to us and who we are to him. Um, and so I, I believe that even though there might be some places where there's some conviction, some places where there's invitation, some places where there's affirmation, and hopefully we'll all walk out feeling truly empowered and, and loved by our Heavenly Father tonight. Amen. So the first point that I want to talk about is praying for your prodigal. So some of you here, uh, you have a prodigal right now. Some of you here, you might actively be the prodigal right now. That's okay. I'm glad you're here might have parents who have not had kids old enough to experience the prodigal yet, 
but you might. And maybe there will be something in this piece that the Lord will seal in your spirit and bring to remembrance when you need it. But I wanna start out with just a little piece of my own testimony because I was absolutely a prodigal. So I grew up in a very godly home. No, my parents were together, no abuse in my home, very well taken care of. We were in church every Sunday, shipped off to Awana every Wednesday night. And as the oldest of four, I was the go-getter. Like I wanna run for class president and I wanna lead the Bible study. And like, I'm not following anybody. Like, come on, follow me. Like that was my whole personality growing up. And so I, I always did the right thing and come, come to learn unpacking in adulthood that I was always trying to perform for people's approval. Um, but I had a, a really intervening moment in my life that changed the whole course and direction in, in my own personal journey. So when I was 13 years old, my mom took me with her after school one day. I couldn't drive yet, so we drove the little white minivan over to the hair salon. Mom needed a touch up on her perm. Uh, so I probably wasn't a perm, but that's all I know about mom haircut styles. So, <laughs> so <laughs> shouldn't say that. So I'm sitting in the waiting room and there's this glass table. It's got all these magazines on it. And I'm like kicking them around. I'm super bored. No cell phone back in the day, 1995 to be exact. And what is just like got a spotlight on it looking so crazy and cool, the National Enquirer magazine, right? Who knows the National Enquirer magazine, be honest. More of you than that know about it. I know you do. <laughs> so for those who don't know, wink, wink, uh, it's basically a gossip magazine and it's full of the most ridiculous kinds of stories you ever hear. They're all made up. You Pretty much if you read it, if you're wondering if something's true or untrue, if National Enquirer prints it, then you can assume it is absolutely not true. So I'm flipping through and toward the end of the magazine, there's this really like explicit sexual story. And for me, like pornography, we, know, we all know about visual pornography, but I'm also very imaginative. So I loved to read as a kid and I, everything would come alive in my head when I would read. So as I was reading this, the same thing was happening. My brain was creating all the visuals and I was seeing it, I was experiencing it. And you know, I, someone walked through and I like shoved it aside and buried it. And I'm like, oh, nothing to see here, doo -doo -doo. you know? So I got home that night and and I self-gratified for the first time. And I cried myself to sleep because I was overwhelmed with shame. I knew it wasn't right. I knew it wasn't God's best for me. But at the same time, I also was like, I've been awakened to something that I didn't know existed. And so I had this simultaneous, I feel terrible and I feel great and I feel good, I feel bad. But that launched me into a whole journey of trying to consume more and more sexual content. And so um, this is gonna sound ridiculous to some of you. You're gonna be like, oh yeah, I can relate to that. And some of you are gonna be like, that sounds crazy. It is crazy. But what I noticed was JCPenney magazines had underwear models in it. So I would start grabbing my mom's, J is JCPenney even still a store? Yes. All right, there's a few of them still out there. Not here, someone says, okay. So I would grab those, look at them, then I would notice like every three or four months, Victoria's Secret would send a promo in the mail to my mom. I would walk the dog after school, check the mail. Oop, Victoria's Secret, we're gonna leave that one in the mailbox. Take the rest back to mom, walk the dog nine, 10 at night, pull out 
the Victoria's Secret, keep it with me in my room for a couple days, put it back, bring it back up. I had a whole system that was going. And, and so, <laughs> so when I was 16, I started working a job. I had a summer job. I had my own office and a computer in this place where I was working. And it was dial-up internet days. Some of y'all feel my pain. You know, the 10, 15 minutes of and then eventually you're on the internet. And there was a shared printer in the hallway. And so I would find an image, I would print it, I would run out to the hallway and I would hover over it as my coworkers would walk by. Yeah, hey Steve, happy Monday to you too. And this thing's going and, I, and oh yeah, hey Sanja, uh-huh, yeah, 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 just printing off my reports for the day. <laughs> so I'm bringing this stuff home, I'm putting it under my mattress. Moms, do you flip mattresses? Has any, used to. Okay, why, why would we flip mattresses? What was? So they don't sag and they stay even. I didn't know this. So my dear mom, Poor, sweet mom with her innocent 16-year-old baby boy who she still cradled in her arms, flips my mattress, and there's all these terrible images there on the box spring. And so I heard the words that no young boy ever wants to hear. Just wait till your father gets home. I'm like, oh, not father, not father. So anyway, I'll fast forward because there's, there's a lot more to the story, but I want to really hit the mom pieces here. So, 20 years old, I'm in college, I go work at a summer camp, I meet a girl, I'm, I'm not walking with the Lord anymore. This, so at this point, I'm 20, I've been consuming pornography for seven years, keeping it hidden, embarrassed, ashamed, no one can ever catch me, I'm, something's wrong, something's weird, I'm, something's off with me. All the stuff that Satan tells us in our issues to keep us from getting help from each other, right? And... I meet a girl, we go away for a weekend to a hotel, I pay for it with my credit card. My credit card billing address is my parents' home because I don't have my own billing address, so the bill gets sent home. My mom's like, we don't have a MasterCard. Why are we getting a bill? She opens it up, has some reason, it has both of our names on the bill from check-in or whatever, and mom's heart was broken. And so just progressing through my 20s, I'm drinking all the time, I'm hooking up all the time. I'm, I'm at this point very deeply addicted to pornography. I can't, I hate it, I hate myself, but I can't, even, I can't stop anymore. It's dominating my life. I'm lying about it to everybody. And I'm driving home from work one day, 26 years old. I stop at a red light and the presence of the Holy Spirit just washes over my car, hits me in the driver's seat at this red light. Nobody's talking to me on the phone. I'm not listening to some cool worship song. Just this really divine moment. And he shows me the emptiness of where my life is going. He revives everything that had been deposited in me as a child. Scripture, community, the church, his presence, his love. It wasn't condemning. It was life-giving. And he just put a fire in my spirit. And the next day I went to my boss and said, hey, I know you go to church. Can I go with you on Sunday? Like, I don't have a church. I don't know where to go. Can I just go with you and sit with you on Sunday? He's like, yes, you absolutely can. 
And he'd been inviting me for years while I'd worked with him. And so my whole life turns around. Um, Not everything gets cleaned up right away. Some things do, some took years. Pornography took years to deal with. I wanted it to go away right away, but it didn't. But this is what I know about my mother when I was a prodigal. She prayed for me faithfully and fervently. I always knew I could come home and I was gonna get a hug and a home-cooked meal, and she'd probably do my laundry because she felt sorry for me, because I <laughs> stunk like the kids on the video. Amen. And I, I knew she was never, she, it was, I didn't need to hear from her that she didn't approve of what I was doing. I, I was well aware. I didn't approve of myself, right? But I always knew mom loved me, she was praying for me, and she was crying over her son. And I, I have always had the profound sense from the Lord that his intervention in my life had a lot to do with my mom and her prayers for me. So moms, if you have a prodigal, kids, if you are a prodigal, it's up to the Lord. He'll bring you back in his timing. Don't give up, moms. He bottles every tear. They are precious to him. And this last thing I want to say about the prodigal, this is, this is so powerful to me as a parent now. As much as you want your child to have a relationship with the Lord, he wants that relationship with them even more than you do. So trust him that when you go to sleep, when you got other duties to take care of, other kids, your job, whatever, he's still wooing and pursuing your child. So the second thing I want to talk about is the freedom that comes in forgiveness. And there's, there's, this goes in a lot of different directions. So as a parent, I want to talk to, to other parents and maybe future parents. Practice repentance and forgiveness in front of and with your children. This is opposite everything in my egotistical bones to ever let my children see or think that I could be wrong about anything. And, there, and we, we lie to ourselves that we're going to give up some kind of ground or some kind of authority if we admit a weakness or a wrong, right? It's just humanity. Well, the Holy Spirit has been counseling me in this, and I had a, a situation with my daughter where I was really tired, I was really stressed out, and I don't even know what she said or did. It was probably absolutely nothing of importance. I know it wasn't. It was very true. She probably spilt something. You're going, oh, you're a terrible dad. I have terrible dad moments for sure. So I snapped at my daughter and I immediately felt convicted. And so I sat down with her and I said, Olivia, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I lost my temper. I lost my patience. Will you forgive me? Yes, daddy, I forgive you. But you really hurt my feelings. I'm like, I know I did, sweetheart. And I'm so sorry. Thank you so much for forgiving me. My wife sitting in the living room kitchen table. I'm over in the kitchen, desperately trying to find my car keys. I cannot, I'm late. I cannot find my car keys. I know my wife Haley did something with my car keys. (laughs) She cleaned up the counter and she put them in a drawer because that's always the explanation. Haley, where are my keys? Jeff, I don't know where your keys are. I didn't touch your keys. 
well, I know you touched my keys because I put them here and they're not here, so you put them somewhere else. I need to go. Where are my keys? Jeff, I didn't touch your keys. And she always, talk, she always tells me the difference between looking and seeking. And she's like, quit looking and seek your key. Ah, she's right, but it still frustrates me. So I'm, I'm visibly upset. My daughter's right in the middle of the two of us. And guess what jingles in my pocket? My car keys. So, sweetie, my keys are in my pocket. I'm like, all right, let's all go to the family room get my daughter to come in, because she witnessed it. Like, her little heart has been wronged, even though she wasn't the subject. So we go in. I want her to see me apologize to her mom and ask her mom for forgiveness. So, Haley, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have lost my patience. Didn't matter if I lost the keys or you lost. I did lose the keys. Didn't matter if I hadn't. Like, I'm sorry. I shouldn't speak to you. That was disrespectful. Will you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. I love you. Olivia, I'm sorry I spoke to your mother in front of you that way. Will you forgive me? Yes, Daddy, I forgive you. I hate it. It's like swallowing acid every time. Like, I'm embarrassed. But I really feel the Holy Spirit on this one, guys, that we practice repentance and forgiveness in front of and with our children. Now, let me talk to all of us who are kids. And look, you could be sitting here as both a kid and a parent today. I'm a kid and I'm a parent. I am working through some things in my life that relate to my childhood and my relationship with my parent. Now, some of you are going to be like, oh, we're going to do this snowflake stuff, talking about our childhood. Yes, I'm a big snowflake, and I'm going (laughs) to talk about my relationship with my parents. So it's okay to acknowledge that we can have really great parents and that our parents also made mistakes. That's okay. And I've discovered some things in me that, um, I, that are both great and not so great that I can attribute to my mother. And one of those things is, I remember this moment when I was in elementary school where I came home with a test and I'd gotten a 98 on the test and I was just thrilled. 98 out of 100, not 98 out of 500. <laughs> Said, mom, look, I got a 98. And mom goes, oh, what do you think you could have done to get 100? And my heart just, now, this is what I know about my mom. My mom always saw potential in me, and she was doing the best she could to continue. She knew I could go into cruise control, so she always wanted to push me to be as great as she believed I could be. That's the greatness of my mother. I'm dealing with aspects of performance now and trying to get people's approval that tie back to that. That's okay. Do I have the ability to forgive my mother without needing her to ask for my forgiveness? Is it, can I get to a place, I, for so long, I was like, I need to have a conversation with my mom. I need, to, I need her to understand what she did. Now, let me acknowledge too, this is so little compared to what so many go through. Like I said earlier, abuse, neglect, abandonment, I mean, some deep, deep wounds. This is not a deep, deep wound. But anything in us that obstructs our relationship with our mother, there's something there, right? Can I forgive my mother without her asking for my forgiveness? And that's something that the Lord had to walk me through to say, yes, I can. And as a result, when I was able to take that one thing that seemed so trivial, but that I could feel impacting my relationship with her so deeply and say, 
I forgive you, mom. Not even to her. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't go and tell her you forgive her for the thing that she doesn't know you're, you have a problem with, right? And you can discern in the spirit those things that are worth talking about and those things I know, hope mom's not watching this out in Star Valley, Wyoming right now, but I know that this conversation would, would be very hurtful for my mother. There's no point. It, it's not gonna be productive for us. You know those conversations that you need to have and should have, and you know those things that you just need to forgive. Your relationship will take on so much more freedom and beauty and love if you will just choose to forgive your mother and or father, but it's Mother's Day. So secondly, uh, moms, how about this one? Can you forgive yourself? This, I get chills thinking about this. How many in the work that I do with women coming out of prostitution and trafficking and homelessness and addiction, and they've got kids and those kids have been removed or those kids are older and they're just reconnecting with their kids when they're about to graduate high school or they're reconnecting with them as adult children. Can you forgive yourself? You don't have to wonder if God's forgiven you. He has. And I also know that it's usually harder to forgive yourself than to accept his forgiveness for you. So I wanna encourage you moms, from the little to the big, you will not do it perfectly, forgive yourself, it's okay. Third point, this is for everybody, mom, single, male, female, whoever. Stay focused on your first love not talking about your childhood crush, like Jason and Angela, who fell in love in high school and sailed off into the sunset together. I'm talk, <laughs> talking about our first love, Jesus. We convince ourselves, the world convinces us, sometimes the church convinces us, ladies, that we'll find our value in being a wife or you'll find your value in being a mom, or you'll find your value in being a grandmother. That is not the purpose for which you were created. You may or may not step into those titles and assignments and opportunities in your life, but it is not the purpose that you were created. And if we buy into the lie that I am created to be a dad, a provider, a husband, a wife, a mother, a CEO, an outreach leader, a pastor, fill in the blank. Then everything in our life will rise and fall by what's happening in that space and with that title and whether we have that title or keep that title. When we understand that the purpose that we were created for was intimacy with God, then no other presence or absence of a title can define you. He created you for him, for him. And no matter if you're a mom or not a mom, a wife or not a wife, a grandmother or not a grandmother, that cannot be touched. That purpose in and on your life cannot be touched. Last point. You are anchored in adoption. Let's talk about that. This is not a message about how everyone needs to become adoptive parents. 
This is a very, very important spiritual principle. Romans 8.15. Y'all just look along with me here. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Spirit of slavery. Now, just be honest for a second. You can yell it out. If I was gonna say, okay, over here we have a spirit of slavery. What's the opposite of a spirit of slavery? Freedom. Freedom. I, if I wrote Romans 8.15, I would write, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of freedom. That's what I would write. But what is the Lord telling us? The way that we are delivered from a spirit of slavery is through a spirit of adoption, a belonging, a becoming sons and daughters of our heavenly father. We can't unpack it tonight. Go, Go home with that question. A spirit of slavery leading to fear again, no. A spirit of adoption, yes. What does that mean? Let's go to Romans 8, 16 and 17, the next two verses. The spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So literally picture this happening inside of you. As a child of God, you have been given the Holy Spirit. He indwells you, right? We have a spirit, our spirit. The Holy Spirit is in a conversation with your spirit saying, you're a child of God. It's literally the Holy Spirit. He is testifying to your spirit. Jeff, you are a child of God. Jeff, you are a child of God. Jeff, you are a child of God. Constantly, right? And what does that mean? If I am a child of God, that means I am an heir. And what this scripture is saying is I'm actually a co-heir with Jesus Christ before the Father. So let's jump over to Galatians chapter four, verses six and seven. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. There it is again, right? Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So there we see it again, right? The spirit of slavery versus the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit in us. So it talks about us saying, I've received a spirit of adoption by which I cry, Abba, Father. I've received a Holy Spirit who inside of me is crying, Abba, Father. So am I aligning my spirit with Holy Spirit to live in the reality of this spirit of adoption? What does this mean? An heir, some of y'all might be like, I don't, I don't even know what an heir is. That's fair. I didn't know either, to be honest. An heir is a person who is legally entitled to collect an inheritance. So what this is saying, if, you, if we put it into context, I'm not an Old Testament scholar. I really trust Pastor Jason to correct any of my poor theology when he preaches next week or he can send an email out on Wednesday to you. Uh, but in the, my, the, what I've been able to understand about Old Testament is that 
the sons were the ones that were positioned to receive the inheritance of the fathers. And in some cases in Deuteronomy, there's a reference to the eldest son actually receiving a double portion. So this would not include sons that were born of other women that were not a wife or wives. As we know, unfortunately, there were wives, plural at times. And it would not include other children that had become a part of the family from outside of the family whether they were orphans or whether they were the Israelites took a place captive and took in children, whatever. We're talking about biological sons would receive the inheritance. So into that context, Paul in scripture, inspired by the Holy Spirit, tells us of a different reality. Jesus is the firstborn of God. He's the perfect son of God. And yet, The triune God has invited us into a spirit of adoption to be called children of God, not lesser children, but saying, why would he tell us you are a co-heir with Christ? You are, and please don't hear me saying we are God or gods. We are not. That distinction remains. But he's saying, please understand you are standing with me. You are anchored in adoption. You are no longer slaves you no longer have to fear anything. You are my children and you will inherit everything that I have. So if you're sitting there, ladies, because this is a Mother's Day message going, yeah, but all those scriptures you read were sons, 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 male, gender, where am I? This is what I believe. And again, just wait for the fact check later if it's needed. I'm okay with it. But what I, as I've studied this part of scripture, what I've come to believe is that sonship is not referring to a gender. It's referring to a position. And so when he says that we are adopted into his family as sons of God, he's saying there's no barrier between what I have and your inheritance as sons and daughters. You, you step into that position for my inheritance together. So what is your inheritance as a child of God? And I'm gonna conclude with this. This is not a list of bullet points. This is, I literally said, please, Holy Spirit, what do you want your sons and daughters to hear about their inheritance tonight? You are set free from sin and death. You are forgiven a great debt. Think of the book of trespasses thrown in the fire. They're atoned for. Every debt has been paid. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of which Jesus said, don't be sad that I go. I'm gonna send you one better. My spirit that's not limited by my physical presence. He can indwell every child of God. You are imbued with power from heaven. Scripture says that the same spirit, the same spirit that went into the tomb, raised Jesus from the dead, lives inside of you. The same one, not like the 29th generation of Holy Spirit, the same living spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you now. That is the power that you have access to. Those who are in pain, 
you have the promise of a constant comforter. The Holy Spirit is called comforter. I've, I've in pain leaned into a reality where even when I sleep, my Holy Spirit comforts me. He can change my dreams. When I, when I get struck with night terrors or nightmares or when I go to sleep with anxiety, he can come in and comfort me even while I sleep. You can access divine wisdom. Scripture says, if you want wisdom, ask me for it. Amen. Ask me for it. Amen. And that wisdom exceeds all of the wisdom of men for eternity. Amen. And that's what you have access to. Your inheritance is that you can take your anxiety and exchange it for a peace that passes understanding. When you're sitting in the pain of that miscarriage, that lost child, that loss of a parent, that child who's astray, and your weeping is real, your mourning is real, and yet you have a peace that nobody can understand, That's the promise of scripture. That's your inheritance as a son and a daughter. You can count on the promised provision of God. He will not leave you in your lack. I'm not gonna preach a prosperity gospel. I believe in a God who blesses abundantly. But what I know is in scripture, he says, if I clothe and feed the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, how much more will I take care of my children? you have a protector and a defender. When David was surrounded by enemies, when his own people wanted to kill him, David hid himself in the refuge of the Lord and the Lord launched him out to conquer his enemies and restore his people and not a one of them were lost. When no one else in your life is your protector or your defender, you have a God, the Father who is. You have a heavenly Father who is the great physician who can heal your body. I don't understand healing. I'm not gonna pretend like I do. I don't know why it happens sometimes and why it doesn't seem to happen other. I, I'm not here to preach a theology of healing, but I know he is the great physician and I know I have seen and been healed myself. Your heavenly father is a wonderful counselor who can heal your heart and your mind. He can renew your mind. He can minister to your emotions. He is a wonderful counselor you can boldly approach the throne of grace. You can literally walk before the King of Kings and bring your petitions to him. They don't have to tie a rope with a bell on it around your ankle in case you go into the Holy of Holies and die because you're unholy. The veil has been torn. The veil has been torn and you will live with him forever. child of God, heir of God, co-heir with Christ. This is what we want to do. We're talking as a team, as Seth is going to lead us in some more worship. Um, The prayer team is going to come up, but I'm going to switch things up on them, uh, which everybody always hates when you do that to them. They are going to come up to the front. But when we were worshiping, I, I really felt like Heavenly Father said, I want to encounter some people who just need to see and hear and feel me not a hand on their shoulder, not your best. He loves our discernment to deliver a word, to pray for someone that is all godly, good and biblical. But I believe there are some people, and if no one comes forward, it's totally fine. I'm just gonna be obedient. 
that are gonna come forward and you all you wanna do is get in front of your heavenly father and get a word from him in your time of need or your time of celebration and rejoicing. He inhabits the praise of his people. Thank God for that song and that truth in scripture. He literally inhabits the praise of his people. So I wanna invite you, man, woman, child, mother, it doesn't matter. If there's something stirring in you and you just wanna come and encounter the heavenly father, you don't have to, you can sit in your seat. He'll encounter you there too. You can get encountered on your way home tonight. You can get encountered laying in your bed. But if you're like, man, I just, I need him right now. I wanna invite you to come forward in prayer team. I wanna invite you to be up here praying over them. And if the Lord gives you a word, give them that word. If he moves you to put a hand on their shoulder and comfort them, kneel down and comfort them. But let's let him be the primary minister at the altar tonight. And then if you're out there and you don't feel led to come up here, would you pray in agreement for your brothers and sisters as they come forward? And how about our family in in Sky Valley? Star Valley, I knew I was gonna mess it up. Star Valley, as they're gathering for our brothers and sisters, in jail and prison as a move of God is stirring revival in those places. They're gonna be responding and people working up around oil refineries in Alaska. How freaking cool is that? I couldn't believe it when I heard it, but he's in all of those places and he's gonna be ministering. So if you don't feel called to come up, just be praying in agreement with what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So Seth. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks. Thanks.